Hello guys and welcome to Joyfully You podcast. You guys know that I am all about connecting to our soul, connecting to our desires, connecting to pleasure. And today I'm so honored to welcome a guest named Marley. You know that I love bringing epic, wholehearted people onto the show. And so I want to introduce Marley. Marley helps women claim their sacred sexuality so they can live in self-love and embodied empowerment. She's a women's coach, author, public speaker, retreat facilitator, and she works internationally to do this type of transformative healing. Marley's work is deeply shaped by her background in social work and trauma-informed yoga, somatic sex education the body image facilitation, and in 2019, Marley's sexual assault case became the first in North America to conclude with restorative justice. She has shared her story and her message worldwide. She's been featured in Forbes, HuffPost, BuzzFeed, Mel Robbins Show, and today she's being featured on Joyfully You Podcast, you guys. Let's dive on in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Joyfully You Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Lowe, and today we have Marley Liss with us today, and I'm so excited. She is a sacred sexuality coach. So a lot of you guys know I've been here in Tulum, Mexico, and we have crossed paths here in this beautiful country, and welcome to the show, Marley. Mm, Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on and for sharing tacos and margaritas. Yes! (laughs) You guys, it was so awesome last night. We both went to have like solo dinner with ourselves and we ran into each other and it was just like this beautiful dinner date and this is the next day you guys are listening to this podcast right now and so so Marley thank you so much for being on the show um I'm really excited to share some of your story that you mentioned with me last night because it definitely like made my jaw drop the level of compassion and empathy you can have and so could you just kind of give a little insight as to how you got started being a sacred sexuality coach and a little bit about your story Mm, yes Yeah, so I was already really obsessed with self-help and yoga and all these things, but I was not connected to, like, sensuality or the divine feminine. When I experienced sexual trauma in 2016 from a stranger, that is really when, like, my world changed. I did the whole dark night of the soul, descent and ascent thing. Um, And three years later, which brings us to, like, around now, about a year ago, Um, my sexual assault case became the first in North America to conclude with restorative justice. So what that means is that I fought for the man who raped me to go to therapy, and then we met in an eight-hour healing circle um, instead of us proceeding to criminal trial. So That just makes me want to cry, and I already know that you've already told this to me, but still hearing it makes me want to cry because... Like, how were you able to shift from that that violation to having such, like, a heart and empathy for this man? Mm. Aw, thank you for your tears. You're so beautiful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Where did it... Honestly, my thing was, like, I reached such a point of grief after this assault that I didn't want to live in the world anymore because I was like, how is this our world? How are we treating each other like this? And so for me, when I chose to stay here and I chose to heal, I was like, well, if I'm staying here, then like Gandhi style, I'm going to be the change. Like I'm going to 
help to shift this and I'm gonna like break chains of hurt people hurt people and I just I know it's not a path for everyone um, but for me I'm like okay so my assailant like brutally hurt and dehumanized me when does it end if I just do the same to him um, by trying to like lock him away so I was like I want to break these cycles and ignite some heat some real healing wow Wow, it's so incredible. What was that experience like when you were in the healing circle with him? Yeah, I like to say it was beyond my expectations, but aligned with my dreams. Mm. It was really like, because I don't know, like I didn't know if this would work. I didn't know if I was just being like delusional. And I, that was a big thing for me that I had to work through, like thinking I was just delusional and naive and my head was in the clouds, you know? Um but I've seen that it's not like it worked you know he got so much support and resources through like six months of therapy he unlearned a lot about patriarchy he learned consent culture and communication and like how friggin powerful is that for any assailant to go through that and then by the time he got to the circle like he was able to take accountability, he cried, he made eye contact, he would like, my mom was in the circle too, he'd look to her and just like clearly feel something when I was speaking about grief, so it's really powerful. Wow. I feel like that's like the apology, the clearing, the accountability of like, I hurt you and I'm sorry, like that every person that experienced any type of victim like been the victim in a situation right because of course we have that term in personal development but in the situations that's what it is and so being able to have that level of clearing is unheard of and incredible and so it's just an honor to be able to have, uh, to share this with you know the, everyone listening on the podcast but that you have now turned it into your life's work mm. it's like such a clear example of turning your pain into your purpose so now you work with women and men, or is it mostly women? Right now I work with all women. Awesome, okay, and all around like embracing their sexuality too. And so how, how has that like been going, working with people? It's like the juiciest thing ever. <laughs> it is, it really does, like I, I will cry randomly at any time of gratitude because I'm sharing the tools that not only saved me, but like helped me to thrive, helped me to rise in love with myself, helped me to love my body, reclaim my sexuality. So just to be able to share these tools with women and to watch them transform and to kind of midwife them in that process is like the most gorgeous thing ever. Mm, I love that, that imagery of being like the midwife throughout their transformational process. I was looking at your Instagram, which is amazing, by the way. I'll have the link in the show notes. Um, and you were talking about one of the biggest blocks to saying no. And that video really stood out to me, especially when it comes to um, dating and relationships. And so can you elaborate a little bit of what you see as the biggest block as to why we can't say no or why p people are not saying no? Yeah, this is such a big one. I'm happy you asked about this because I feel so passionate about this the past few days. It's scarcity, like when we suppress our no, a lot of the time it's because we're scared that that opportunity isn't gonna come somewhere else. So a great example for this right now is with the pandemic, a lot of us are touch deprived. A lot of us are getting way less touch and intimacy than we're used to from others. 
And so say someone comes along who doesn't have COVID and (laughs) they want to be intimate with you and maybe you're just feeling really like meh about it. Maybe you're not feeling a full yes or maybe you're actually feeling a no. But because you're like, we're in a pandemic, I don't know when I'm going to get touch again. I better just go through with this so that I can get it. This is like the epitome of scarcity mindset. And we do this with jobs and with money, with relationships. And it's just resulting in us settling again and again. Mm-hmm. That's such a, I love that um, perspective of like, I don't know when I'm going to get this again. I used to kind of have that with food in college of being like, I don't know when I'm going to eat again, so I better eat a lot right now. And it's that same thing of abundance and scarcity. Yeah. And I think that for women too, I mean, there's even studies. It's like we legit need, like, I think it's like 15 hugs a day for optimal health. And so, I mean, what advice or how would you guide someone who is like, yeah, I'm, I am touch deprived. And I think giving people that languaging too is so powerful to define what they're feeling versus, I don't know. I think I'm horny. I don't know. Someone hug me. I don't know. You know, and it's like, it's, it's being touch deprived. That that's a thing that we need it. And it's, there's nothing wrong with it. So how would you speak to that person? That's like, I don't know if I feel it, but I really need something. Yeah. The biggest thing I think of is touching yourself, connecting with touch for yourself. I know we were talking about self-pleasure just yesterday and like the healing potency of that. And this is a lot of the work I do with my clients. This is a lot of the healing that I found was like reclaiming self-pleasure with intention, really like giving myself that oxytocin love and connecting with that. And then also finding people who... I love this term I heard when I was training in somatic sex education. It was sexual solidarity team and finding people, you can call them whatever you want, but finding people who basically celebrate your journey of sexual healing, of reclaiming body love, this kind of thing. And so these are people that are really in your corner and you have clear boundaries and intentions around like, we are going to share in a hug for this long and it doesn't mean X, Y, Z. It doesn't mean that we're dating or that we're going to move in together. It's just like we want to, with love and respect, share in a hug and have our needs for touch be fulfilled with and through each other. Mm, That's so incredible. I feel like that's like most women's dream is to find a man that has that level of consciousness of like, can I hug you for 25 seconds without you getting a boner? (laughs) Can I hug you for 25 seconds without the fear that, oh no, he's going to want something now. Right. Right. And I think that there's, that's an ongoing theme that I've seen with a lot of women that I've worked with as well is the realization of, I think I was giving sex in order to get the cuddles, the compassion, the, the tender being held, you know? And as we know that if, we're trying to have a barter system in our mind it's not going to work like that you know sometimes but I think it's really beautiful to be able to create that because it's all the intention if we put it out there that no there's people out there that can be sexual solidarity teammates then it shows up yeah. right and that's like the manifestation work and so how beautiful to be able to have that state and you've gone through okay I, you just mentioned like a sex somatic sex training I know you've been to a lot of tantric um tell us a little bit about that like I know that uh, so I think like for myself and a lot for my audience we know a little bit but we don't know that much Mm, about tantra Mm -hmm. and this kind of thing yeah so 
there's kind of two, well, there's many directions in spirituality, but there's kind of two directions. And traditionally, like the masculine direction, and this is not gender, just energy, is mm -hmm. like up and out of the body. So this kind of like monk-like path where you're renouncing material attachments, you're like connecting with the stars and the ethers. And then there's this like energetic feminine path, which is like down and into the body down and into the earth so the path of tantra is really just about not really choosing it's like let's do it all <laughs> let's merge those things and connect with them both like and let's acknowledge that the physical is just as sacred as the ethereal mm. which shifts so much in terms of our relationship to our bodies how we look at ourselves in the mirror how we treat the environment like just this awareness that the physical is the sacred is like a huge shift. So of course that really shifts how we meet lovers or how we meet other humans. There's like this certain level of reverence already established like, wow, you are a sacred child of the earth. <laughs> And we get to like share in this experience of being humans together. So I think there's a lot, there is a lot of misconceptions and cultural appropriation around Tantra mm -hmm. and like this idea that it's about like eight sex hour orgasm, sex yoga, <laughs> and it's actually just like an outcome of this deeper philosophy, which is that the physical is sacred. Mm. Yeah, I like that because I've heard some people go as far to say like, we're spiritual beings have a human experience. Yes, agree. And this is a meat suit, right? I've even heard that phrase and it, it makes me cringe because I'm like, oh my God, no, it's not. Are you kidding me? And um, so I, it's cool to hear a little bit of that perspective around the feminine, the masculine energy and bringing it together. Because I'm sure you've probably heard with women that you're working with, they're like, I'm too in my masculine. It's like, tell me what that means for you, right? Mm -hmm. um, so how, like, would you, how do you approach that when someone feels like, I ha feel like I'm out of balance with that, with that, that yin and yang energy? Yeah, I think it's so common, especially because we live in a hyper-masculine culture um, that's very yang, very go, 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 like this capitalist mindset of like, get more done, be more efficient, feel less, do more. So a lot of us are out of touch with our feminine, which we can all access regardless of gender, which is like our being state, our receiving state, our resting state, our playing in the ocean, our drinking margaritas and eating tacos state, yes. <laughs> this kind of thing. And yeah, I just see, I think one of the biggest things for people to do is to separate like the masculine energy from toxic masculinity. So remembering that there's actually like a more divine masculine energy, which means you can take action in a really like self-loving, gentle way and vice versa, separating the feminine from the like conditioned woman that's just like really giving into objectification and remembering like the power of our cycles, the power of our bodies, the beauty of sisterhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, yes. Yes. To all of those things. So much. Yes. <laughs> Um, and, and I kind of want to come back to self-pleasure too, because we had talked about that last night during our dinner date, which was so fun. Um, and you know, I, uh, for me, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were missionaries. It was just not talked about at all. And if anything, it was like, 
don't don't say masturbation don't say that you know things like that like I remember just like little things with like things that my brother would do my sister would do and we'd be like is, are you is that what you're no you know and I remember one time my mom found a vibrator in my car and it's interesting how people can project the shame that they feel towards self-pleasure towards themselves directly towards children right I love my mom it was she probably doesn't even remember this right but I remember she was so pissed because the car that she was letting me use was so messy and then throughout all the mess she finds a vibrator so she's like you're just what you just fucking yourself in the car you know and it just tidal wave of shame right Mm -hmm. tidal wave of oh my god I am I'm just a horn dog I'm you know all these things right and so this was I think 2014 and it's been this journey over the past six years of yeah reclaiming my body reclaiming the pleasure you know and so how do you how do you work through that with your clients when they're going up against like you know lifetime of conditioning that it's seen as not being sacred you know mm-hmm what's that journey like that you you know to allow them to have that intimacy with themselves yeah thank you for sharing that I could like feel in my body such a relation of like wow and I imagine like anyone listening can tap into a moment like that right because it is it's so ancient and global this idea that sexuality is sinful Right. I think the Christianity religion actually teaches that, right? It does, yeah. It does. It says, like, no touchy-touchy. And it's like, what? But this body's mine. Yeah. It's it's such... And this is what some people ask me, like, do you only work with people who have been through sexual trauma? And my feeling is that we are living in a sexually traumatized culture. Like, every one of us has felt that shame before. No matter what the story is that brought it on. Like, I... I just could really feel that. Um, So for me, already it feels revolutionary to call myself a sacred sensuality coach because there's already a lot of scripts being broken down and a lot of rewiring happening by putting those words side by side. And same with my favorite word combination also is erotic innocence. Wow. And this for me, I know that the first time that I had sex the next day I looked at my baby pictures and I cried because I felt like I lost my innocence and this is something that so many of us are taught and it's bullshit it's such bullshit like our sexuality is one of the most innocent things in the world when we remember like where does where do babies come from Like, babies. No one can argue that babies are not innocent. Like, babies are so pure and innocent, and they are created from sex. So how is it even possible that we're like, sexuality is sinful, sexuality is dark and bad, and it's like, no, the only reason sexuality has become distorted, which it has, like, we know that there's tons of sexual violence and, like, pornographic addiction and all these extremes these only exist because we've suppressed sexuality we've like shoved it down put it in a dark cave that no one speaks about for like hundreds maybe thousands of years and now we're surprised that it's like manifesting in this distorted way whereas when we take it out of the shadow and we're like, here's my sexuality. Let's talk about it. It's so, it's so innocent. Sorry, I'm like going off. But also like, it's so innocent in its vulnerability. 
right? Because when you're really being intimate with someone and you're not performing or when you're being intimate with yourself, it is the most like vulnerable, emotional, innocent, whole experience. Mm. So these are just some of the like foundations that all of my work is kind of built upon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting, the erotic innocence. And I love that analogy of bringing it back to the to children, that they are born of an innocent act, if we look at it that way. And it's just it's the programming, right, of being told that this is a, this is a, a sin or this is not okay. And it is really interesting, too, of how much it's been suppressed because then there's the whole underground sex thing going on, right? Because people are too afraid to talk about it and bring it forth. Um, you know, something that comes to mind is denying pleasure to yourself, you know? So how, how do you work with your clients when they're like, I'm really horny, but then they don't even, or actually let me bring a little personal story in mm-hmm. is, is I used to, I used to be like, Oh, me and my vibrator BFFs. I love her so much, but I've noticed over the past year or two, I've been having just kind of a disalignment with technology when it comes to pleasure it just felt like my sensitivity has gone up and so it just felt like oh too much it felt foreign it felt which there's nothing wrong with that just like my my journey and it's interesting to see how sensitive the yoni can become how sensitive the entire body can become without this extra stimulation and in this past year and a half two years has really been this journey of um my own self-pleasure with no toys, right? Of just allowing like touch and these things of like embracing my body. Um, And so it's just been interesting to see that start to unfold of how I'm able to show up around men when I don't need anything from, I'm not feeling this egoic, oh, I I want something from you. Because I can have that same type of huntress thing that guys are blamed for. I think that women can have it too. so like how how uh, how has that come has that come up with your coaching clients that you work with around the idea of sex of not not coming from it from a I want to get mine versus I want to share connection. Mm. You know, have you seen that come up? Yeah, I think that comes really beautifully full circle to what we were saying about scarcity mindset. And it's like and I feel this and I recently completed like a 13 month celibacy journey in which like I wasn't receiving any penetration from others but I was connecting with myself through self-pleasure and I love that too that you're like a sacred sexuality coach but you're all, you went on a celibacy like yeah what do you sex sabbatical or oh wait I guess that would be the opposite huh <laughs> yeah and I think so often we think of celibacy in this really like Christian way of I'm like stepping away from my sexual energy but for me I was like this is for me to deepen my connection to my sexuality to my sensation to my own body to like how safe I feel clearing out energy from like previous partners that I didn't want to be carrying creating space for like the juicy orgasmic connection that I do want so it's just such a different mindset and like yeah when we're in that place of of fulfillment of satiation we're not approaching someone in this like, oh my God, I need this and this and this from you. And that creates space for such healthy relationships. Like that creates clarity for us to be like, oh, I'm drawn to you. I'm curious about you. I'd love to share more space, but it's not like, 
oh my god I need you or I will die like yes <laughs> and it's just you it's talked about something spacious. too with when the body is telling you no but you try to trick your mind into saying yes can you elaborate on that like when there's a discord between the body and well it's almost like when the voice is different than what the body is saying I think you said yeah I would say this is like the embodied experience of integrity or being out of integrity because to me integrity is when your speech and your body and your well it doesn't have to be your, your speech and your body and maybe your spirit too are all lining up and they're on the same page and being out of integrity to me is when your body is saying no for example and you're saying yes out loud and when we do this, like we are physically putting ourselves in a state of dissonance, in a state of trauma, because our body is communicating something to us. It's shooting all these brilliant messages to our brain. And we're like, ignore, ignore. And we're using a lot of energy to ignore that. And then we're saying something else. And so our body's like, uh, she's like shoving me down into the depths of suppression. And I want to be heard. Uh, it sounds like the definition of people pleasing. Uh, yeah. I joke that I'm a recovering people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I think that there's it's the empathy without boundaries because when we're empathetic, we can pick up on the needs of other people. It's a beautiful thing with values, confidence, and boundaries. Like, you know, the sense of I believe and this is the abundance mindset too, right? If I believe in the rise of everyone that I'm not going to overextend myself to try and save you because I believe that you are capable, mm. you know, but how can I support you in that journey versus, Oh, you need me. I need to come in and do this, huh? You know, and we have, and I think it shows up the most with family because we have that ability and we want to be there because it's like we would die for our family to an extent. Right. Mm. And so people, please, I'm glad that you're bringing that up of like, you can, cause you can feel that with someone. It's like, you could say no, right. Where you can feel that, uh, that integrity. And so how is people pleasing shown up for your clients when it comes to dating? Ooh, I love this question. <laughs> um, I would say that it is a form like people pleasing creates a form of love that's rooted in enabling one another's shit behaviors instead of empowering our most gorgeous selves and to break that down a bit it's like that mentality of I really want to say no but I'm gonna say yes because you probably need me and like you're whatever that allows me to like view you in that scenario as like a wounded desperate puppy who's like not empowered enough to to fulfill their own needs and I'm like oh poor thing like you need me it's like arrogance it's arrogant that's not love and and that's the irony is like we think it's so selfless but it's actually really arrogant versus me being like you know what that actually doesn't feel good for me right now but I know you're gonna go and like create yourself a gorgeous day and like have an awesome adventure getting that hug from someone else like that's so much more like I'm trusting in you I know your epicness I know your manifesting capacity and that's like so much more empowering to me versus the other things so really using like empowering love versus enabling love as a compass can like really shift things mm. empowered love versus enabling love yeah yeah that's big and so another thing I wanted to ask you about um 
that there's certain fears, like we're kind of going back a little bit to self-pleasure, that the self-talk, because when we are with someone, we can get lost in the eyes of someone else, of course. We can be able to have that deep connection. Whether it's with someone or with ourself, there are different fears and thoughts that come up that prevent us from pleasure. And so can you talk a little bit about that, of what you've discovered with yourself and what you've seen with other people, like maybe the most common fears that stop us from experiencing that pleasure with ourselves or with other people? Mm. Yeah, I think the, the deepest thing is not being loved and that expresses in so many ways, like maybe it expresses in me being really self-conscious about my body for fear of like not being loved and that's a huge one for women right like we see all of these porn stars and movie stars and we get an idea of what every man or human being wants in a woman and we try to match that and when we don't match it because not every human being has the same like uh, Photoshop made body on this earth um, when we don't match it we feel not enough and so there's so many women, and I know I've experienced this and worked a lot through this, who let like this self-consciousness get in the way of pleasure. And what that does, like imagine you're about to have the best orgasm of your life, but you want to suck in your stomach. So you constrict your breath and you block the flow of that orgasm. You come out of your body and you jump into your mind with all these thoughts like, what do I look like right now? And you completely fall off that that ladder of arousal. And with arousal, we can't go zero to 100, but we can go 100 to zero. So that's huge for women, is this like this performative way of being that really on a deep, deep, deep level always does come back to fear of being loved, mm. fear of being, of being, or yeah. sorry, fear of not being loved. Yeah, like possible rejection and yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's, it is it is interesting how I, I call it an elevator. I'm like, oh, I got to take the elevator. And I imagine an elevator from my head down to my heart mm-hmm. and like allowing the the sensualness of things, like the senses. Like I, I always talk about like if you're someone that is highly sensitive, start paying attention to all of your senses. Mm-hmm. Slow down for what you see, what you smell, like what you taste because it reconnects us to the heart, the body. Um, oh, gosh, so true. You, can, you can't go zero to 100, but you can go to 100 to zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like the pattern of our arousal. I've heard before that, that, well, I guess this doesn't necessarily match the 100 to zero thing, but for arousal, it's kind of like we're a boiling pot of water and we take some time until we're like at full boil. But then I guess we're kind of like a match for, for turning it off. Like, we can be totally on, and then a second later, whether it's context or getting in our own head or judging mm. ourselves or whatever, we're just like, oh, my God, I'm not, in, ah, I'm not into yeah. this anymore. I'm not feeling anything anymore. Yeah. yeah it's so I think common. through sexual experiences for myself, it, I was able to full embrace, like, a lot of healing came through sexual partners of being able to, like, that comfort with myself of allowing myself to get into the animalistic side full voice vocal no shits given fully in the moment with someone but I feel like it took a lot of time because there was so much distrust that was created from earlier partners Mm -hmm. um 
And so I think that, you know, is a big part is looking at the relationships we've had in the past. It's like, well, what did I, what agreement did I make from that? You know, and I think that's been a big journey is the regaining of trust and not categorizing men the way that we're kind of taught to. Not looking at men as being the animalistic corn dogs and that the women just need to give it to them. There's kind of this old school like um, narrative around that of like boys will be boys, mm-hmm. and that's the, the toxic masculinity that we're that we're unpacking and breaking down, and also just shedding new light on. Um, and so I'm like, what would you say to the person that that is maybe, I'm curious if there's any asexual people in my audience, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but you know, like, do you ever deal with or work with people that they're like, I just don't even know where my pleasure centers are anymore, mm-hmm. if they're feeling numb, if they're feeling disconnected, because I know whenever, especially for women that are very sensitive, when traumas start to arise, I feel like the brain will block when it feels too big. Mm-hmm subconsciously the ego will reach for things to numb or shell or protect ourselves you know through people pleasing through perfectionism through things like that so how do you guide women in reconnecting if they feel like they're so far away from it yeah absolutely and I want to say too like so I'm showing up and sharing in this space of sensual empowerment that I really feel I'm in and I was not there before like after trauma especially, I shut down a thousand percent. Um, I stopped getting my period, I stopped getting wet, I stopped feeling attracted to anyone, like I was really just closed down and not in my body at all. And so every... And it kind of makes sense because you had to be in a state of survival in order to get through that experience. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that there can't just be a shift from, you know, survival to like surviving to thriving. Yeah. It takes yeah. time. I guess. Exactly. And and what I feel I did and what I feel I guide a lot of women through is helping us dismantle, or in my case, it was more like completely slash or implode, like my first sexual foundation, which was based upon like toxic masculinity, objectification, performance, like being a certain weight, holding a certain angle, all this, this shit it's this process of like completely dismantling that and then building a second sexual foundation from the ground up. And this is what I experienced. Like I had another first period cause I lost my period after trauma. I feel like I had another first time. And I was like, well, this is the first time I'm having sex where I'm fully committed to it being a healing embodied experience. So it is a first. Um, this is my first time talking to a sister about my first time having sex in an embodied way, right? So allowing ourselves to to be reborn, to have a new go at it with all these like beautiful principles and with all of this support in like unlearning the old paradigm way. Yeah. And that requires self-forgiveness. Mm. You know, so because I think of like in order to have that sense of newness, we have to give ourselves permission to, let's say, clean the slate. Let's say, paint the canvas white. Let's say, like, giving ourselves permission to return to innocence and seeing ourselves. I mean, I wrote it in my journal the other night of just like, I am a child of God. I am a child of the universe. God, res- the word God resonates with me. I am a child, and I and I get to hold my 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 tr- myself that child within. You know, I view it like this Russian doll thing. Um, 
And so it's beautiful to hear that that's the process of allowing yourself to see it as a new thing again. And that the, the sense of rebirth, like how beautiful to be able to view the things that have happened and being able to see it in that way to then empower and embody yeah. everything that you do stand by that is in alignment with your soul and spirit. Mm-hmm. And really creating space for a grief process. Right? Like, I had to have a massive grief process in order to create space. I guess if something's reborn, something has, it to, has die. to die. has to die. Yeah. Yeah. So for some of us, we're at a point in the cycle where we're like, girl, I've already shed all that shit. Like, I'm ready to just, like, reclaim. I'm ready to rise. I'm ready to feel pleasure. And if that's the case, amazing. And then for those of us who are like, this sounds terrifying. I feel so disconnected from my sexuality and my body, and that sounds a million miles away. We probably need, like I said, like a midwife or a sister, someone to hold us in this process of grieving and shedding and like letting go, crying tears for whatever tears have been suppressed, and like in order to make space for the pleasure. And I just wanna say, like, that can sound really scary. And that's why a lot of us like avoid our healing work, um, but it can also be really beautiful yeah. and gentle and healing and powerful, you know. And it doesn't have to be on a timeline. Yeah. Because I've had situations where I grieved for something four years later because my body wasn't able to even process the gravity of it, and I never cried. And so I think that's like an insight for people: is if there's been strong experiences that you never cried and you don't know why, it could be that you're still creating the strength in order to process it. And that the body and the mind and the heart is doing a protective um, process, right? Um, But it's that feeling of being safe. I think like our feminine energy needs safety, our masculine energy needs that freedom. But what does that look like when we are then with other people? And I think a big part of it is believing that there are men or women, depending where people are, you know, their level of attraction of where they stand with their sexuality, that there are trustworthy people. Like it has to start with that belief that there are people that um, are able to share a secret sexual experience with. That was a big thing for me is first just believing it existed and that sex wasn't just a instant gratification form of pleasure and avoidance, right? Mm -hmm. Because for me, it was way easier to go home with someone than it was to face my art or to face my podcast or face... No, actually, that's not true. Because by the time I started the podcast, things were very integrated, you know? (laughs) But if I'm reflecting back to college times of like the performative parts of it, it's like believing, no, there are people out there and then seeing it as it arise. Because as we know, we have to embody it to then attract it. Mm. We can't be over here looking at uh, sex in a certain way, but then expecting to receive it differently. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy that you brought that up because I remember not knowing that those humans existed and then discovering that they existed and being like, holy shit. So I just want to say like, yeah, I am a human who's attracted to humans of all genders. And like, I have had such gorgeous experiences, like such like sacred and primal gorgeous experiences of people being like, oh, like I'd be honored to worship your body or let's synchronize our breath or let's talk about our fears and our desires before we're intimate with each other or like what would make this even more pleasurable right now? Like just lovers who are 
there and they're present and they're showing up with respect and care and we're serving each other's healing and pleasure and expansion and it's like there's no distortion you know when we when we have like a story or a script come up of like oh I notice I am wanting you and like picturing us being boyfriend and girlfriend for the next 10 years like we'll share that and laugh about it and be like that's so sweet like what let's talk about what's really here you know like just this new paradigm way and like people definitely need to know that that exists and it's Mm -hmm. out there and you can create it as well yeah it's the vulnerability of it I mean I think I'm like I'm more and more even just traveling too and being in places where we're way more likely to run into like-minded people because we all happen to be the ones ballsy enough to leave the United States and travel, do these things. But the type of conscious men I've met, I've just been giving so much gratitude to the universe because I'm like, wow, I love this part of this man. While I don't have the sexual attraction to him, there's just so much respect for who he is as a man and the relationship and friendship that's cultivated. Um, Because I used to think very two-dimensionally about it of guy friends, that I don't want to fuck, guy friends that I do want to fuck, right? And so I used to be very like black and white about it. So in my mind, I think it was easy to categorize people. But it's just a beautiful thing of like, oh man, that feeling of, oh, I really want you is actually not something that is like this fruitfulness in the beginning. Because in the beginning, it's this lust and it's me trying to get something. And then of course, what does that manifest into? Me being triggered the moment I feel that from someone else. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to embrace that there's this deep level of friendship that is way more vulnerable to have a sexual interaction with than if it is much more physical without that intimacy. Right, right. It's bringing intimacy into any of it and realizing that you can kind of be anything and the intimacy is the part that's going to invite the vulnerability and the realness and the connection. Even like I'm very intimate with my followers on Instagram that doesn't mean that we're all dating (laughs) it doesn't mean that we're all dating but it means (laughs) that like we're showing up with transparency we're being real we're getting vulnerable we're taking like layers of ego off in order to really be seen and that creates space for a deeper connection and so even before when we were talking about being touch deprived I thought of that too like bring intimacy into your platonic friendships like hug your friends cry with your friends laugh with your friends don't like save that for like one monogamous Mm -hmm. romantic partnership that you may or may not have right now you know Mm -hmm. yeah how would you guide like because not all men are going to have that level of consciousness while they do exist i would say depending where you are right because the environment has everything to do with it what is that how how would you guide someone who if they do have people pleasing tendencies that desire for intimacy and creating it but learning how not to give a different message right or understanding those types of messages that can be received because i feel like that's on the other person right we we are giving off a message at times but actually the way it's perceived as a message is from other people because i could just imagine i'm just hearing i'm hearing like certain women being like Ooh, but if I go around hugging and opening up to all my guy friends, what if they think, you know, that they don't know how to hold the space? Right. So it's definitely on them, like partially. I think that there's a big movement happening right now around men doing their healing work and unlearning patriarchy, like people of all beings doing this work. So like everyone 
should be doing that in an ideal world. Um, and to be very honest, like I have way more standards of who I connect with now. Like there's way less people I would connect with now. Whereas like when I was younger, I was like, woo, anything. <laughs> um, so that's just like my reality. But I think there's a few things to this. Like if we fully, fully trust our voice and our boundaries and we go around hugging everyone and a guy is like, hey, does this, like, I took that to mean this and this and this. If I fully trust my voice, then I'm just like, oh, actually, like, that's not where I was coming from. My intention was to just connect in a, in a way of platonic intimacy, but thank you for sharing. And if I'm, like, so confident in saying that, then it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, in the past, if someone was, like, quote, quote, getting the wrong idea, I'd be like, oh, my God, so awkward. What do I do? Should I just avoid them? And it's like by me just saying what is true and honest, I can like tend to that awkwardness. And maybe there's a moment of like, oh, this is uncomfortable, but that creates space for us to be like, oh, okay, well, do we want to keep connecting as like great friends who share in in intimate, vulnerable expression because we're human beings or do we not want to? And that clarity is just, like, going to save us a whole lot of time and, like, Mm. mind fuckery, you know? Yeah, and I think for women, too, like, knowing that we don't owe anyone anything, that was, like, a revolution for me. And it seems like this simple thing of, like, well, yeah, I know I don't. But actually embodying it and practicing it when it comes to things of people's demands on time or whatever else, if... It's, you know, because that whole thing of, oh, this is awkward. Do I just avoid it? Whatever else. And we think of, like, little kids. Little kids aren't going to avoid it. They're going to walk up and be like, hey, I thought you liked me, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, there's this, like, sense of innocence yeah. around it. Um, mm-hmm. But I could just, like, I'm, I'm thinking of certain women that I've talked to that it's that, ooh, I need, I, how, do I, how do I distance his pursuit, actually, while maintaining my sovereignty, maintaining my truth? And it's that I feel like it's having a, the phrase that helped me was it's okay to roar Hmm. and it's okay to rage. Rage sounds so extreme, but for people that know Hmm. me and like my very kind hearted nature, rage is just a word that I needed to embody my lioness of saying, no, I'm not okay with that. No, I don't want to talk on the phone. No thank you for the offer mm-hmm. thank you I'm flattered and learning how to cut it off but I, I talked with a lot of women that I work with and maybe women that you work with as well that that saying no mm-hmm. is is touching up on that fear of rejecting others the fear of all those things of I don't want to him I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings I think that's what I hear the most I don't want to make anyone feel bad yeah and it's like oh oh and I have so much to say on that but I want to hear what you have to say on that and I want to acknowledge too like this is such a process like this this is why like I work with women minimum three months because like it's a big deconditioning process and there's so much we've been taught around this so much it's like imagine you're like have a one-hour session with someone and they're like oh you should just live your body you're not gonna leave and be like okay I love my body now thanks real helpful <laughs> right so just I'll go get a love myself shirt now <laughs> Right, like just acknowledging that we do all have that like un- like that death rebirth process we were talking about like a lot of our conditioning does have to unravel in order for us to create space for that new way of being. So, if you're listening to this and you're like, 
oh my gosh, how can I communicate so honestly? Like, that sounds really hard. Like, in theory, that's really great, but it sounds really hard. Like, I'm not actually going to do that. Um, that's okay. Like, this is a big process. And this is why, like, this is why I became a coach in this, because I'm like, it's a big process. And it takes, like, step-by-step alchemizing in order to get there so there's so much there's so much around this I think that one of the best things we can do is embody what we want to receive because this actually teaches the people around us what we want as well there's so many like I'm really there's such a culture of hating men and it makes me sad I know it's like this trauma bonding thing of like, ha ha ha, we hate men, like men are shit in bed, all this stuff. And I'm like, if people think that men are so bad in bed, then tell them what you want so that you can enjoy the experience and that responsibility, like you can share in that responsibility of having a positive, Mm -hmm. intimate sexual experience. Yeah. So for example, if you want a man that you're hugging or not hugging to respond to your rejection in a really gracious way, then you should practice responding to his no with thank you. Or you should let him know, if it's a good friend, you should let him know, it feels really good for me whenever I say no for you to respond with thank you. I've just had so much conditioning around not saying no and it would really help me to feel safe to be more honest with you. Right? Like letting them in to the process, letting them know where you're at, why you're saying things, why you're not saying things. Um, This can just, yeah, really help shift. Mm, I like that. It's the clear communication of it too. Yeah. I think like 90% of the work I do with women is like voice related. It's like, Mm. it's like, well, voice is almost like the final step. Because first, it's like... You so many this, gates it has right? to go through before <laughs> so it comes up. gates. Yeah, like, right? Because you have a mind process. You feel something in your body. You're, like, getting all these messages. You're checking in. Maybe you're checking in with your spirit, your guides, depending, like, who you are, you know? And then possibly thinking, well, the outcome could be this or it could be this, right? right. Trying to categorize the, <laughs> the future of it. Jumping into the future, visiting the past, and then... You get to a point where you're you're ready to communicate something. So it's cultivating the skills within every step of the process to get to that point yeah. where you're like, I'm ready to communicate honestly. Yeah. I know my body's wisdom and I'm ready to communicate it. Yeah. And it like brings it to that abundance mindset that it's safe to say what's true for us. That it's safe and if the person can't hold that space then a new door is opening, right? I have my favorite mantra, if not, there's something better Mm -hmm. as far as connection goes. Like, there's always something to learn with it, but if we feel like the relationship's going to be at jeopardy because of our truth, then it's not not the relationship for us. And it's also, like, if you really love me, like, if anyone really loves me, they don't want me to cross my own boundaries. Like, say they make me a delicious meal and I'm so full that I can't breathe... But I'm like, oh, I should keep eating this out of respect. If they really love me, they're like, please don't put your body in a state of crisis. Like, we can pack it up. You can take it home. It's okay. Right? Versus this conditioning of, like, I should eat this out of respect. Like, oh, my gosh. That's not love on anyone's end. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the people pleasing, right? It's like, I want to make you feel like I love you. 
so I'm going to do this. And it's like, it's, it's this weird, this means this and this means this. And it's just overthinking, right? It's like, okay, let's take the elevator back to the heart. What do you need? <laughs> what do that. I need? And like giving ourselves the permission of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm, so good. So the last thing I want to ask you about um, was is around self-love. You know, all of this is around self-love, the, the appreciating our body and really honoring the integrity of our needs and our desires and our visions. Um, on your Instagram, you were talking about holding space for our own judgments instead of trying to like the way, you know, like um, like old school like classrooms it's like you get like hit with the ruler I mean I never had this experience but you know you hear about it of being like slap you know slap okay now now you're correct or right or back in line or disciplined you know and I, I loved how you described this of holding space for our own judgments versus trying to autocorrect them when they come up or shaming ourselves for having them can you elaborate like how how you approach that like if a judgment comes up how you hold space for it hmm yeah it kind of comes back to my restorative justice story of like the person who's causing harm or the voice in your head that's causing harm probably needs love right we can think of like it's easier to think of like a bully on the playground who's like six years old they probably don't need to be slapped in the face they actually probably need to be like hey what's going on for you Why were you being mean to so-and-so? What's going on? Let's talk about it. So we drop our defenses when we're given love and compassion. And we raise our defenses and we get like louder and louder and more angry when we're given punishment. So the same goes for like all the parts of your body and your being. It's like if part of you is judging yourself or judging someone else, Instead of being like, I'm a piece of shit, like, wow, like, I claim to care about sisterhood, but I'm really, like, a judgmental asshole, like, that's not gonna help, (laughs) you know, like, hold that voice like you would a six-year-old child and be like, hey, what do we need right now? Are we feeling insecure? Are we judging that person? Are we comparing ourselves because we feel insecure? And if we feel insecure, then what do we need? probably a self-esteem boost, probably some love versus like some more like I'm a crap person. I'm going to I'm going to just like repent and punish myself and sit in my shit. No, like get, this is real. Like this is real self-love to me. It's like that unconditional. No matter what I think, no matter how insecure I feel. I'll do that all the time. If I'm like sitting in a room and I'm like I feel really awkward right now, I'll be like, "Oh, I love my awkwardness." Like you're okay. I love you. I see you. You know, just being there. Holding space. I love you even when. That's like my favorite. I love you even when. Kelsey, (laughs) I love you even when. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because no one's immune to this. Like, no one's immune to this. Mm -hmm. I still get those insecure thoughts sometimes. Michelle Obama still gets (laughs) insecure thoughts. Like, so it's just how how do we tend to that? How do we show up for those voices? And it's like... To me, it's always love that's going to dissolve the turmoil rather than adding more turmoil and judgment, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, I always like to ask people to complete the sentence. And so self-love is. Ooh. Mm. 
<laughs> Self-love is a commitment to love is what I thought of. Just Beautiful. like if you're fully committed to love, then you're going to direct that in words as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show, Marley. Oh, this has been so wonderful to be able to have you here and be able to access some of your knowledge and share with my community. And it really means a lot. And oh my gosh, thank you for the work that you do in the world. Thank you. Because the word that just comes to mind is like liberation. You're creating so much liberation for people to feel fully in their body and to feel home and safe in their body. And like, I just can't express enough gratitude for this line of work. I love it so much. Mm, Thank you so, so, so much, love. And I'd love to share, like I have a totally free masterclass on my website. If people go to marleylist.com, it's like all about how our pleasure is the revolution. It's really juicy. Amazing. You can connect with that there. And I'm a human and I love other humans. So connect with me. If this vibed with you, reach out to me. Let's be friends. Let's be sisters. Let's be sexual solidarity teammates. Sexual solidarity teammates. (laughs) I love it so much. Okay, you guys, if you're listening to this episode and you've loved it, take a screenshot right now. Tag Marley. Tag me. Do a little hashtag sexual... Sexual solidarity teammates. Say that ten times fast. (laughs) Um, Let's start a little movement here, guys. Um, And... All of the links are in the show notes so you can be able to access Marley's Masterclass and be able to check out her Instagram and connect with her there. And just like she said, we're human, so say hi. Tell us what you enjoyed. Tell us what came up for you. Um, I think that I could say on both of our behalfs, you have full permission to slide on into those DMs because we want (laughs) sisters too. Yes. (laughs) I love that. Mm, Thank you so, so, so much for having me and for being a friggin' amazing. Like, I know humans can't see your face, but it's just like pure empathy and... (laughs) care and radiance it's really amazing so thank you thank Mm. you and thank you to everyone for listening oh yes honestly i live for these conversations (laughs) thanks for tuning into another episode of joyfully you podcast i hope you enjoyed this i'm your host kelsey and today we had marley liss on here hope you guys have a great day and catch you on the next episode